Hi, I'm Morgan from Hattiesburg, Mississippi, a student pharmacist attending the University of Mississippi and currently living in Flowood. You're listening to Pharmacy Forward, a podcast about transforming knowledge into action. Fan, a clinical assistant professor, and joining me today is my co-host, Elizabeth Hearn. Hello, I'm Elizabeth, a PGY2 ambulatory care pharmacy resident, and Ha and I are with the University of Mississippi School of Pharmacy. Welcome to the Pharmacy Forward podcast. Today, we're excited to talk to Rear Admiral Pamela Schweitzer, who recently retired from her position in 2018 as the Assistant Surgeon General and the 10th Chief Pharmacist Officer of the U.S. Public Health Service. I had the pleasure of hearing her deliver a commencement speech at at my graduation, and I'm in constant awe of her accomplishments and dedication to public health for our country. During her four-year term as chief pharmacist, she was responsible for pharmacy officers nationwide that cover the 13 agencies with the Office of the Surgeon General. Pam, welcome to Pharmacy Forward. Thank you so much. It's great to be here. And I really appreciate the invitation and for allowing me to share just how our U.S. Public Health Service Commission Corps officers, especially the pharmacy officers, are involved in public health responses. Well, thanks for being here today, Pam. I'm excited to learn more about what we can do as civilian pharmacists during a pandemic. With everything that's been going on regarding the worldwide pandemic today, we will be focusing on the role of a public health pharmacist during a public health crisis. When I was a student, the Ebola crisis was prominent in the public eye, but I think COVID-19 will likely be the highest profile pandemic of my career, or at least I hope so. We've all been affected in different ways, and in my practice site specifically, we made a quick switch to telemedicine and implemented new policies for safety. Our guest today will help us navigate other shifts that may arise during public health crises. Like we discussed earlier, you're certainly a wonderful resource for giving someone an introduction into the role of pharmacists in public health. Can you share more about the general role of a public health pharmacist and your experience with working in public health? I became an officer and I first went into the Indian Health Service and I was stationed in Pine Ridge, South Dakota. And at the time, I was assigned to be the health promotion disease prevention coordinator and I worked with communities. We controlled and eliminated tuberculosis and hepatitis A. We worked with the parents to provide access to car seats for their infants and children. And back then, I remember writing and drafting several PSA, public service announcements, that would be on the radio, um, helped organize health fairs, and attended tribal health board meetings. You know, that's basically with the community, listening to some of their issues and challenges, and basically getting a pretty good idea of just what it takes to actually solve public health problems in communities. And while working in these remote settings, we were just organically gaining experience in providing this invaluable skills to responding to disasters. We would have things like power outages, Some of our officers experienced, you know, fires or floods. And I remember experiencing a flood too, tornadoes coming in and just, you know, damaging the clinic, damaging the area around the area. And you have to learn to respond because people still need their medications. So we would have this incident command structure that we learned. And so we can have these coordinated responses. So it turns out this structured standardized approach to incident 
command management is really used for emergencies. Like in all, you see it used once you start becoming aware of it, you see it's used all the time and it's even used for planned events. So we have coordinated responses among all these different jurisdictions and agencies. And, and this is all planned out in advance. So to give you an idea of some planned events that you don't know behind the scenes that have an incident command structure are when you see the Olympics, there's a, a very prominent role behind the scenes prepared in case something were to go wrong. The Even the inauguration that, you know, we have officers assigned to all these, these functions, by the way, and you just don't see them visible because there's not an incident. But if there was, they would be more prominent. I had heard of the Indian Health Service, but I didn't realize all of these opportunities existed within public health, especially how pharmacists can contribute on such local and population levels or even during events like the Olympics. I'm sure that the responsibilities are, of course, heightened even more so during crises. So how does that role change during a public health crisis? Well, I am going to talk a little bit about more about this incident command structure because that's actually what we go into. And I will tell you, now that I, if I go through this with you, you'll start paying attention a little bit different. Every time you see it, you'll go, oh, there must be an incident command structure in place. So what ends up happening is we have this incident command structure and there's different roles. Many of our officers right now, they're deployed and a lot of our pharmacist officers, and they're actually at the operation center. So I, I happened to be back east when the pandemic broke out, and a lot of our officers were deployed there and helping a lot of the coordination. But there's several different roles, and you this structure is in place. And pharmacists are in many of these different roles. So I'll give you an example of some of the roles that our pharmacists are in. And then I'll share a little bit about some of the roles that I did when I've been on deployments too. So we've have pharmacists that are the incident commander. They're basically in charge of the operation on the scene response. So uh, a lot of this takes leadership skills, coordinating, working well with teams, understanding all that. And pharmacists have great skills to do this. So it's not surprising to see pharmacists in those roles. Another role that we see pharmacists doing is their liaisons, just coordinating, working with different outside agencies, different companies, whatever it is, whatever they're working on, just that we need a liaison to coordinate that. So a lot of times you see pharmacists in those roles too. Operations, just working, boots on the ground, making things happen. And I know for myself personally, just in operations, sometimes I'll be assigned overseeing the lab, you know, the laboratory section or overseeing just a section that's not even pharmacy because I know operations. So besides pharmacy, if there's not a pharmacy, there's other operations that need to be handled. And it's that skill set of being able to coordinate and organize things. That's where the pharmacist end up doing planning. Just a lot of, there's a lot of planning that's done in advance when you prepare like all this incident command, all this planning is done way in advance. And so pharmacists tend to be at the table planning and coordinating and coming with ideas of how the response will be. Um, logistics, far, this is sort of our bread and butter, a lot of it, because we're already used to purchasing medical supplies. And so I know for myself, when I was in the Indian Health Service, when we'd have some response, they always put me in logistics because I was in charge of tracking down medical supplies. So I can, you can bet our pharmacists, and, I, and they were 
involved in tracking down masks, tracking down just equipment, working together with the other entities that are actually doing some of the purchasing too and getting the logistics and getting supplies, getting drugs. Even during, and I'll just give you an example, during the hurricanes of Puerto Rico, there were, and I was so impressed, I'll be honest with you, there was shortage of drug supplies. So pharmacists were in the forefront in managing logistics of how to track down and get those supplies. And any of us that have been in purchasing in hospitals, we know we're short of supply. We call around and we talk to all our other colleagues and all the other hospitals and all the other entities. You you just naturally get that experience doing logistics because we're always tracking down and try to hunt a drug, especially those that are doing purchasing with all these drug shortages. When I was uh, deployed in Katrina, I was down there in Louisiana. My role at that time was going around and just doing a in-person visit to all the shelters that were in there in Louisiana. We we had the whole northern section. We went to every single shelter and we were just, we needed boots on the ground and just to see what was going on and get a visual on what needed to happen, what we needed to provide, where they were at, and just get boots on the ground reporting that back to our operation centers, you know, every time we we made a report up. So we were just constant, there's just constant activity. So some of this doesn't have to do with pharmacy, but the pharmacist and just the skill set they end up having just in their role being a pharmacist, it actually really adds a lot to the team. I think you bring up some interesting points in terms of how pharmacists are able to be flexible and you know, just jump into a position whenever necessary. Could you talk more about your public health pharmacy officers and what they've been doing during this pandemic? Some of us, you know, and I've been around for a little while, were involved in H1N1 when that was back in 2009. And so as soon as that happened, like everybody's eyes perked up, oh, we know what to do because a lot of us had been through that back then. And we knew at that time when there was a when there was that pandemic, that there eventually was going to be just lots of efforts going on. And at that time, what I was involved with, there was a shortage of vaccine, just like there's going to be a little bit right in the beginning. It's going to be trickling out until we get the bulk of our vaccine. There's efforts occurring right now that are trying to get as much vaccine out as early as possible and enough volume as possible so it's not trickling out like it did with H1N1. So what happened was, is we had to start getting together with all of our communities, finding out where their needs are, finding out the populations we want to target. So all this information gathering. So some of the areas where our pharmacists are working right now, just addressing the shortages. And I'll just give you some real creative ways that our pharmacists were involved in this. Some of them had a relationship in the community with a manufacturer, working and getting alter- helping with alternative locations to take care of patients. Some of our U.S. Public Health Service Commission Corps pharmacists were involved in drafting language used by the secretary, and you saw that out for increasing and doing COVID testing. And then most recently uh, with the PrEP amendment, the third amendment, and doing vaccinations because of the the decrease in pediatric vaccinations. So those behind the scenes, those are pharmacists. Our pharmacists are involved in helping to draft some of that language. Well, that's really interesting. And it really brings up a good point that I want to dive deeper into. You mentioned earlier, a lot of this seems to come down to logistics or coordination, which is not something that we explicitly teach to students during pharmacy school. So how did you improve your logistical skills? 
Did it just come with time? Or are there particular ways or tactics we could use to improve our skills? That's a great question. And normally you don't think about this because it's not like something you're out to try to, okay, I'm going to improve my logistical skills. I think this just happens over time. Uh, Some of it, there was some training, but I would say the most of it, most of us that have obtained these skills over time, we were in the trenches. Um, and a lot of these experiences we ended up getting, like, for instance, it's the Indian Health Service. We're small facilities, and we end up having to be more creative and think out of the box to be able to kind of track down some of these information. We're involved. You actually wear several hats, you can, or you learn to wear several hats because you're smaller facilities. And so, for instance, one of the big areas that we're trying to push now is vaccine for children. And I can tell you, Indian Health Service, all the locations have a vaccine for children program. So without even really trying, we've all been exposed to it. It's usually when you start out, it's the first thing you learn when you get there at the facility is how to coordinate and manage the vaccine for children program. So part of these, and this is one of the reasons why we encourage our officers to be mobile and and get new experiences is as you as you move and go and get these different experiences, you actually take something with you every single time. When you're at a real big institution, and I've worked there too, you ended up staying in your lane more. You stay in your area where you're focused and you don't learn that plethora of other experiences. So some of the areas in the Indian Health Service, you have to learn to work with contracts. And, and this is where I, I'm sure I learned over time, this didn't happen in one job. It happened in different positions. I was responsible for something and then you, I was overseeing procurement or I was, I oversaw a particular contract. So I learned to work with contractors and the, and the contract officers. And I learned how the federal purchasing works. Uh, so it just happened over a course of time. And then as you bring new people in to help, help out, you teach them and it's just sort of kind of translates that way. So my recommendation for anybody that's even interested in this is what you do is you be curious. And, and when you're at a facility, you try to learn all of the, if you have the opportunity, try to learn the different skills and you don't realize it's a skill until after you do it for a little while. And then you go, Oh, okay. I understand how purchasing works. I understand how to work with the finance department and I knew how to work with the acquisition department. And then I need to work with the state or the public health department. So as you start getting into this, you start meeting those different people and then you're, you're familiar with it when you do that. So like you said, getting out of your comfort zone, or like you said, being in the trenches seems to be a big step in boosting your your logistical experience. Do you have any specific examples of ways that you stepped outside of the box to improve public health? So I'll share a little bit about what I've been doing. So what happens as soon as I saw the COVID hit, so that was in March, because I'm retired, I knew what was going to be happening at the top level. So I go, I know what I'll do is I'll start working on the on the boots on the ground level. So reaching out to a lot of our colleagues on the outside, not the federal sector, in the private sector, that I knew were wor- working on um, COVID or preparing and started meeting. Uh, we're calling ourselves navigators. And it's sort of informal. We started out informal and it's become a lot more formal now. But just working with the state the immunization programs, working with the states, working with the pharmacy organizations. You know, of course, I do this 100% of the time, reach out and are continuous contact with my public health service colleagues, finding out what they're doing. So we're all coordinated, working with, because I know they're at the table with 
the Operation Warp Speed efforts. They're at the table with CDC. And so we're just, so we are able to get all this information and communicate a lot more effectively because I know what they're doing and we can make sure we have one voice as we're moving forward in addressing the pandemic. So you're going to see just an amazing response or you already are seeing it, pharmacies stepping up and doing an amazing response for this pandemic. But a lot of this is just all the different coordination that's going on at all the different levels and making sure that pharmacies at the table. So what about local pharmacists, though, whether they work in community settings, hospital settings, or any other setting, are there specific things we all could be doing to improve public health on the local level? I am so glad you brought that up because this is a perfect attitude, and that's exactly what can we all be doing right now because there's always something. And one of the things I'm so proud of pharmacies for doing just in general, this is not only public health service pharmacists, but all pharmacists are doing right now is just really making this the best flu campaign ever. So we already are hearing that the numbers are up and just getting out there and ensuring that we're having a real good flu campaign this year. This is for all pharmacists. If you follow the news, what you probably know is it seems like a lot of times there's more unknowns than knowns or it changes. You know, one day it's this, one day it's that. And so what you do is you learn to sort of wait and listen and um, don't get too excited, you know, be listening and paying attention, but don't get too excited because there's just a lot of information out there and it's hard to kind of weed through it all. Um, And then also to make sure that we all find opportunities where we can do our part and help and step up. And there's areas where we can do something and what we should do is that's where we focus. We hone in and do the areas where we can, things that you can control. The other important part is to make sure that we're always speaking up and letting people know there's so much, so many moving parts when there's this crisis and there's just changing from one day to the next, people don't even know like what the skill sets of the people that are out there and they don't even know to ask. So this is the one time where I encourage everybody to speak up. If you have a skill set, speak up, say, hey, I can help with this. I can help with this. I can help with this. So this an example would be in our states, as a profession, we need to make sure the state knows of the skill sets and where where pharmacies involved are going to be that can vaccinate, where they, how they find them, how they can connect to them. How do we hook, connect everybody together? Because they don't know that you don't assume that they know. Somebody has to be telling them. So making sure that we're out in front, making sure people, hey, we have pharmacists. I'm in Mississippi and we have, you know, this many pharmacies and here's where they're located. They're all going to be involved in vaccinations. And then, we're going to have incidences where it's like there's not a good solution. They they leave something out by accident. And it's not on purpose. It's because there's so many moving parts. So staying positive and having a good attitude, a can-do attitude, um, you know, versus being frustrated with the constant change, that's just how it is. We can expect it to be that way. So how can we be above all of that and just, okay, we're going to change? All right, we're changing gears again you know, be respectful of, of somebody making that decision. And if it doesn't make sense, you know, being able to pull that information together and, and sharing it in a thoughtful manner to the folks high up making those decisions. Yes, it was great to hear about from you and hear about your experiences. Are there any final pearls of knowledge that you'd like to leave with us? 
first of all, before I get into my little words of wisdom, what I wanted to do is take just a moment and share with you. It's really an honor for us to be able to serve our country and to be able to step up and help our country during this pandemic and any other disaster crisis that is out there. It's, it actually is a true honor for us to be able to do this. But you too can actually participate without being a public health service officer by um, reaching out. And if you go on to the website, there is a medical reserve corps. And so I would highly encourage you to go on and look at your local group there in your communities to be able to sit and participate. And there are all different ways that we can help. And they always are looking for pharmacists. So I highly encourage you to take a look at that Medical Reserve Corps, go on and look at your local chapter and see if you can find a way to get involved. And then the other area that I just want to do, and these are words of wisdom that I usually share with officers, learn how to how to be um, a, a can-do problem solver attitude. Everything isn't going to be organized and nice and smooth like you think it's going to be. And to be able to adapt learning to follow the chain of command. That is probably really critical. The more critical the emergency and the more of a crisis, it's really critical to be able to follow that. Staying calm, controlled, and level-headed. Um, being a team player, you know, getting people to feel part of the team too. You know, have really good relationships in your communities and make a genuine effort to get that relationship and build this relationship during non-disaster times is so important because then when you have an incident like the COVID vaccine, you've already developed those relationships. So probably one of my biggest recommendations is develop those relationships during a non-disaster time. And then if even if you haven't developed them now, to start reaching out right now because you know here in the springtime, there's going to be a lot of community effort that need to happen for us to all work together to be able to get this vaccine. And then the other big thing is wear your mask, <laughs> you know, be an example of what we should be do all be doing and set that set a really good example for all the other providers and for the people in your community, like do the right thing as a public health service advocate and as a awesome pharmacist. Pam, thanks so much for talking with us today. I really found this discussion very informative, and I hope our listeners enjoy it as much as I have. Well, thanks again for being here today on the Pharmacy Forward podcast. Thanks for listening to Pharmacy Forward, a podcast about transforming knowledge into action. If you like this podcast, please subscribe using your favorite podcast app, and tell all of your pharmacy friends and colleagues. Be sure to rate us and send us your feedback. We'd love to hear from you. If you have a story you'd like to share about someone who's transforming knowledge into action, send us an email. Pharmacy Forward is produced by the Division of Pharmacy Professional Development at the University of Mississippi School of Pharmacy. For more information about our professional development programs, visit pharmacycpd.org. That's pharmacycpd.org.